Well, actually, what would start is the this, the music would play probably. Are you ready for the sex girls? Episode three. Episode three, 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 three. Welcome, 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 welcome. This is Mike Betcher. This is Sean, 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 And we are the Millie Vanilli Brothers. We are the wait, Millie Vanilli weren't brothers, were they? Don't tell them that. Don't say anything. Were they supposed to be brothers, or were they supposed to be? I like to, to start off with a correction right away. Yeah. Next one. <laughs> Make sure we got something. We are the Chadwick Bozeman twins. Wait, who are those guys? <laughs> Chadwick Bozeman is the uh, is Black Panther. Oh right, okay. <laughs> we had a. Well, yeah, is, wait. We're getting into quickly. that later. All right, all right. Okay. Um, so this is a podcast about movie soundtracks. Some of our favorite movie soundtracks, and like we said, it's episode three. So episode two, we actually did Coming to America, and episode one we did Revenge of the Nerds. And in a little bit, we'll we'll reveal what we're doing for this episode. But if you haven't listened to those, please check them out, give them a listen, and then come back here. Uh, and probably want to listen to them sequentially <clears throat> would make sense. And uh, just so you guys know, our our uh, name, Are You Ready for the Sex Girls, comes from the uh, uh, the uh, Revenge of the Nerds soundtrack, and it is our favorite, uh, one of our favorite songs from the soundtrack. Um, Mikey, could you sing a little bit of it for us? You don't have to play the play. The, I know it comes in on the intro, but just sing yeah. another part of it for us, real quick. Are you ready for the sex girls? <laughs> I actually don't know any of the words. I know, I don't. <laughs> Are you ready for the sex girls? But do you forgot it after we did the first podcast? So we're going to get into a few random things, a few corrections from the episode before. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to just summarize the movie, let you know the movie we picked for this episode, summarize the movie a little bit, but then really get heavy into the soundtrack for the movie. Um, and we've got a great one for this episode, especially with the soundtrack. So, <laughs> and Yeah, it is. And if, if you, um, so I will say that if we, if I can give a little bit of some of the listener feedback we got. We have, uh, we were kind of accused of making the Irishman of podcasts, um, as the the last uh, Coming to America episode was about three hours. But if you did get all the way um, through the end of of that uh, podcast, we did hint, uh, I believe, at one point. I I know we hinted at a lot of different movies, but we did hint at this week's uh, sort of featured soundtrack as well. So I say that in that, don't listen. Now, go back, listen to the three-hour one, see if you can figure it out, then come back to this one. We did break that into two parts, too, so you could, you know, one-hour session, <laughs> one-and-a-half-hour yeah. session, so you could split them up and Super, listen to them yeah. separately. Very consumable, very, very consumable uh, at three hours of content. Uh, drive, what, you know, first why drive into your, driving to work, coming back, um, and then, or, you know, uh, if we're, we're using the Irish Two hours, uh, you know, an hour and a half driving and flying to wherever he flew to kill Jimmy Hoffa. 
and then the, the two hours back to meet Joe Pesci and get your sunglasses back. You could. Did you like? Did you, did you like that movie? Did I like it? I did, but I'm. Yeah. I'm the. Uh, I'm probably the demographic, right? Meaning someone who's liked all of Martin Scorsese movies. They right Netflix put together their algorithm and said put all these things in, and this guy will will like it. I just didn't really like De Niro in that movie, actually. Mm. I mean, I didn't think it was horrible, but I definitely thought um, Pesci and Pacino did better in their roles. I yeah, I think I would agree. I maybe would agree with that he's part. He's so old now, and like he had to be young, and it just maybe didn't, didn't work. Something yeah. didn't work on some of that. It might not be his fault when he gets a certain age. It's probably not easy to play like a really younger character in parts or something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I heard it whispered, just sort of him moving around, trying, to, you know, to beat somebody up. And yeah, you can de-age the face. You're not de-aging the body. It just looks like an old man shuffling around, yeah. uh, beating somebody up. Um, so yeah, I would agree with that. I thought, yeah, I thought Joe Pesci was really good in that movie, and so was, um, and so was Al Pacino. So I, I don't know when I'll ever. I it's one of those where you go, when will I watch it again? But um, yeah, I thought it was good. So anyway. Not as good as our Irishman of the podcast about coming to America. That was our, well, that was an opus. Uh, yeah, and the part one gets, I mean, it broke up pretty good because the part one got to the end of kind of going through the summary of the movie and a few other things with the holiday season. And then part two was more getting into all the music. So it was. Check it out. And what I would say is, I, and I'm saying this to you, uh, Mikey, just right now in the, in the moment. Now, what, uh, what I want to call this moving forward is, almost an award that we can give on the soundtrack every time we can call it uh, the Takashi Daisy Bell award. So since we now know that it was uh, it's, it's Takashi singing Daisy, Daisy Bell, uh, I think whether it's on the soundtrack or in the movie, we should always be awarding what we would call the soundtrack or the Daisy Bell, or excuse me, the Takashi Daisy Bell award. Oh yeah. And I know what the one is for this movie. For oh, sure. I so, do right now. Don't <laughs> no. even say it. <laughs> you can make your choice and I'll make mine. So. Oh my God. Oh, well, I got a couple, I got a couple things I want to hit on before yep. we get into the corrections, but it's obviously award season right now. And I don't know if you've been following some of that, but we have both the Academy Awards and then the uh, nominees out. And then we had the Grammys last weekend and mm-hmm. i don't know if you did, have you been following any of the academy award nominations for best song um i think i did but you can tell me is there something there's somebody on this soundtrack that's on that one no but i just thought it was interesting to kind of maybe touch on yeah but uh i can run through who, who the nominees are we got uh and we mentioned for some reason you did an impression of this guy in the last episode but i'm not sure why why he came into the play but Randy Newman oh, yeah. nominated for yeah. I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away, Toy Story 4. Nice. That almost sounds like a joke for some reason. <laughs> I think you said something about – I got – now I got to remember back. But I thought you – think you said something, and I just thought you said Randy Newman. I said Randy Watson. Yeah. I think in my head, I was like, and I knew who Randy Watson was, but I was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if it's Randy Newman being yeah. Randy Watson, singing a Randy Watson style song? Okay, uh, got it. Now yeah, that yeah. makes still makes no sense, yeah. but I got it. 
But this is, I mean, this is probably like the fifth time he's been nominated for award or something from Toy Story songs. It's Toy Story 4 in the title. I can't let you throw yourself away. I've never heard the song. I'm not going to listen. The best is next next year he's going to be awarded or like he's going to be nominated for Academy Award for the song. Thank you for my Academy Award nomination for Toy Story 4. And it goes like this. Thank you for my... (laughs) Nomination <laughs> for Toy Story Four song. Man, you're not that good at that. I know. <laughs> it's about as I gotta... as any impression I do. I know it's it's as close as I can get. I think when you get older, you get worse at impressions too. <laughs> yeah. Like your brain gets less creative, so it can't like really process what should what should be happening. <laughs> um, what you're really good at. This is I swear I used to now they just go downhill and my kids just make fun of me well actually there is a tie this is crazy there is a tie so i'm not gonna i don't want to give away the movie but the next one on here is i'm standing with you in the movie breakthrough which i never saw but it's by diane warren yeah and there is a tie to the movie for that which we'll talk about later that's right um and you mentioned that's what you mentioned in the last podcast as well i think Mm -hmm. so and then they've got stand up from the movie harriet um, and then I'm going to love me again with the movie Rocket Man and then Into the Unknown Frozen 2, which I heard that song and I saw that movie. But that's probably the only one, unfortunately, I've yeah. seen of all of these are heard. So I don't really have much to say about them. I don't know if you've heard any of these other ones. I haven't. I, I mean, I don't. <clears throat> well, maybe we'll have to listen to them and say what we think of the front runners next episode. Yeah. And who I mean, it may be one. When, when are the Academy Awards? Isn't it around that? I guess. Yeah, we'll have the month. I think this I'm Gonna Love Me Again won the Golden Globe from Rocket Man. So I think Elton okay. John won that. So maybe that's okay. a front runner. And then Frozen's songs always have been like a front runner, I feel like. Yeah. Something. So, because they actually, what did that one like soundtrack or something uh, in the Grammys a few years ago when the first movie came out? Mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone was crazy about that. So in the Grammys, they have a couple categories related to movie soundtracks. They've got Best Compilation Soundtrack for Visual Media, Best Score Soundtrack Album for Visual Media, and Best Song Written for Visual Media. And obviously the Grammys were last week, so they announced the winner. So for Best Song, it was A Star is Born for this year. Wasn't that in the last year award season? Then maybe it just goes with, you know, maybe that soundtrack got bigger in the year or something. It probably doesn't tie out. Maybe the um, the Academy Awards goes to a certain date, but the Grammys go yeah. to another date, and so then it it cut off in between. I think I have. I do remember that because that's why sometimes people who've already broken through will be like the best new artist, even though really they aren't. Meaning, it's more retroactive than maybe the the Academy Awards are. Yeah. Right. So it's like. Uh, But, yeah, but so it's there's some retroactivity that's happening there. Okay. So the score award winner this year was Chernobyl by nice. Hildor Ganadutir. That was I think that was a pretty good score. I saw most of that series. And Did I, you? I I mean to I keep meaning to start it, so I want to want to do it. Last year was Black Panther. <laughs> no, is it really? Oh my. So there's a nice tie. A little tie back. Um, yep. I know, and I will say one if, if we're kind of looking at this, but also kind of throwing in our little pieces about the last episode. I think one I know we kept call. I think I said Alvin Silvestri. It's Alan Silvestri. 
Um, so there were kind of three or four big, um, uh, you know, we all would know John Williams, Alan Savistri did a lot of the scores. And then who was the other person we were mentioning? I'm forgetting his name now. Horner. Uh, uh, the Horner. And then we were also, I, and I, we might have cut that part out where we were John trying. Uh, yeah, we did John Williams, but we were trying to think of um, Danny Elfman. <laughs> we were trying to think of Danny Elfman as the other big score for all the Tim uh, Burton movies and all of those movies from the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Um, but Alan Silvestri, who did a lot of those movies in the 80s that we liked, what's so funny about him now is he's basically scoring all the Marvel movies now, I noticed. So he obviously he, uh, parlayed that into just being that the score guy for all of those. Uh, and I'm sure he's, uh, he's doing well uh, if he's doing those. Well, another movie soundtrack that was nominated for the Grammy but didn't win was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And you, you got that one and brought it to the tailgate last November. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And I've been listening to that, to that one lately. The kids like that one a lot, actually. Yeah, and I don't even – there was somebody else's podcast uh, – talking about the fact that that's one that's like an unsung uh it's an unsung and i think you had said this too when i bought it sort of an unsung hero of soundtracks in that it's for a quentin tarantino movie there's nothing in there that's hitting you over the head so it's kind of a slow burn uh to eventually sort of have appreciation for the soundtrack but that if you sort of take it with the movie that it's a it's it um the movie totally did like the movie did a great job of getting you into the late '60s or the, that time period, and then so did the soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> in so combination. Yeah, and there's clips from the movie, like um, commercials and things that are in the mixing in the soundtrack along with other songs and yeah, some new songs in the soundtrack that wasn't in the movie, and it's just like seems like a really good combination. And I'm kind of happy to see that get nominated at least because it seems like. And he's, a lot of times with the Grammys, I'm not typically disappointed in who gets nominated yeah. and who wins in their selections. No, that's true. Yeah, All so right. getting into some of the corrections corner stuff. Oh, and thanks for getting that. And you also sent me, um, I also want to say thanks for sending Earth Girls Are Easy mm-hmm. for uh, the holidays as a gift. And that was, that's a pretty good soundtrack, too. So we might have to go through that one. Right off the bat, so, yeah. But that was produced by Niles Rogers as well. I think maybe it's why you got it, or maybe not. It just happened to be, but um, I will never yeah. tell you. I will never tell you, and just let you live in a place where you're never not quite sure if I did or not. <laughs> did I? I've just... never seen that movie before. Really? I've seen parts of it. Oh I, my... I probably did, but I might have just forgot over time. It is the three. Uh, I want to go. Damon check. Wayans, Goldblum, and Jim Carrey as the aliens. <laughs> they are great in it. Jeff Goldblum, does, has he ever sung anything? His voice is so nice and smooth. You think it's be like I mean, perfect yeah. for? But he wasn't on the soundtrack for Earth Girls Are Easy. No. But someone should get him if he hasn't. They should, I wonder if that's Jeff. Well, I did. Jeff Goldblum is one of our fiftieth listeners. So Jeff, um, if you'd like to come on sometime and sing, uh, our, our podcast is always open for you. So a couple other just comments from the last episode follow-ups or corrections um one of the things was we just threw out there what was the budget to make coming to america we looked that up it shows that it was about 39 million bucks mm-hmm. so that was a big time money maker because i don't know it was like a few hundred million it made back in yeah. the 80s which is i don't know how much that's worth in today's money and then it still makes money obviously 
from that film. So that's not a very big budget, but uh, probably a decent budget for back then because we said it, you know, everything was so professionally done. Yeah, through like 87 yeah. divided by, yeah. So it's like a $100 million comedy. So it would, that would be a, still a big budget comedy, I, I would think. Something else odd that happened <clears throat> since the episode was I went to, I got a record from my brother-in-law called uh, the group, the Black Pumas. And mm-hmm. uh, they're kind of a soul group and they got voted for best new artist for a Grammy too. And everyone, I think a lot of people are like, who the heck are they? Cause not a lot of people have heard of them, mm-hmm. but they came and did a show in Madison. So I saw that show and they mentioned they were on the like tonight show the two nights before. Mm-hmm. So I turned that on to watch it. And as I'm fast forwarding, guess who's on that episode as the guest, none other than Tyler Perry. <laughs> and what does he do? He pulls out, he talks about how his new film studio, Tyler Perry Studios, and how some of Coming to America 2 was filmed on it. Uh, oh, my. No. And Bad Boys 2 or whatever. Or Bad Boys. Whatever the new Bad Boys is was also filmed there at the same time. Isn't it like the biggest and, movie right now in the world of Bad Boys 2? Yeah, whatever. Bad Boys Coming to Life or Forever Old or Boys to Men. I don't know. Grandpas to... <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Bad boys for life, bad grampies, grampy bad. Yeah, but they were all on the set, so they took a photo together, and he showed that photo because it was Eddie Murphy and all those guys from those different movies. Oh, my goodness. Will Smith at his studios. (laughs) Wait, Bad Boys 2 is from 2003. No, no, yeah, it's It's a new one, like Bad Boys for Life. Like I said, it's like, I think the premise is they're in the afterlife. What? (laughs) Like the good place that show. Okay. So they always like die and they like go to hell and they have to. I don't know. I'm just making something up. I, but... Oh, that really is a thing that makes me sad. Yeah. So they already did make a sequel to it. So this wasn't the sequel. There was already a sequel. Oh, it was the treat. It was the treequel. It's the treekies. Is that how? Isn't that how you say that? The treequel. Sep, sex, tetlet, threat, or whatever. Yeah. Sep, tetlet, sep, octoplet. What's the guy's name? Marlon? What? No. What the heck is the other guy? Who is that? Um, Martin Lawrence? Got, yeah, Martin Lawrence. Sorry. Uh, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, um, Arsenio <laughs> Hall, and Eddie Murphy were in the photograph. And I guess then Tyler Perry was also like, and it had to be the like the week I wasn't there. Those guys were all together. So. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> but yeah. kind of like random with all that that last episode we talked about. Yeah, that it's all episode. actually coming full circle because everyone just... Uh, all coming together to produce sequels that shouldn't be happening. But hey, I guess if we are, if they're making money, they're going to make them. So a couple other things from last episode that, that followed up on Gallagher's not dead, if you can believe it. <laughs> he's 73 years old, still kicking. And Michael Winslow's also alive. Yeah. He's only like 57. But that what we said could happen. They could do a tour. They could do that. Um, Gallagher and Michael <clears throat> Winslow raw. If they wanted to. So yeah, if you all get, if you guys are ready for Winslow, <laughs> Winslow Gallagher Raw, um, leave leave kind of a like in the comments and just say, Galley, or even make emoticons that is like a, a voice with the one with the talking voice, and then like a, the mallet, and then a star, and know that you're looking, you're you're wanting that, and we're gonna forward that on to the powers that be to say, look at this. Um, there is sort of a, a raw move. There's a movement wanting to see the two. I don't know what would you call it. I mean, if we're saying uh, Smith and and um, 
and Martin Lawrence are like when powers collide, it's bad boys for life. What what is it when these? I mean, those two powerhouses of comedy collide. What what what, what do you call that? Fruit boys make noises. <laughs> I don't know. You just throw it. You got to throw an idea. Just throw them up on the board. There's a brainstorming session. Don't throw anything out right away. You know, just keep thinking. Keep <laughs> smashy fruit and helicopters. <laughs> I was. Just, it could be kind of cool though if they had like animatronics. Pulp and hella. Yeah, pulp and hella. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. No, if they had animatronic fruit and yeah, you know, somehow remotely, Winslow was making the noise behind. Yeah, and then he was Yeah, and then he's yeah. So he's not actually destroying it, and then he does it, and then he's like, he like knows exactly how to make a make it sound like a watermelon is exploding. Yeah, with like the seeds. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and then um, so yeah, I think other. I was gonna say the other big sort of thing um, that I know was sort of floating around there was we got a lot of feedback on the first episode because we talked about uh, certain uh, sexual parts of the first. Uh, in Revenge of the Nerds, uh, so some people were saying we were misogynistic in terms of how we were talking about that. The second episode, Coming to America, they're dealing with a lot of issues of race, so, so we had some people kind of shouting out to us, um, saying you're, you're being racist, you're a little racist in the way you guys are talking about this stuff. Um, and really what I just wanted to say was, um, you know, I don't know, Mikey, you got, you got something to say for that? No, I thought we were pretty legit in the last one. Didn't you? Yeah. Oh, were you setting me up? <laughs> you just say no comment. <laughs> oh, okay. No comment, except I really thought we did better in the last one. <laughs> so I guess that is the comment. Yeah, there you go. That's, there's, there's your actual comment. Well, I actually had one more correction was that everyone also that... Um, which kind of goes along those lines that <laughs> suck off him is actually pronounced suck him off. So <laughs> I'm going to go back to, I don't know if ever, anyone caught on to that. I'm going to go to suck off him. <laughs> and also along those lines, we didn't, I didn't um, bring up one thing, one uh, music, good music piece that was incoming to America, but I want to bring it up now. No, but seriously, I just forgot about it, but, in the bar scene, do you remember? I think it's um, DJ Fad mm-hmm. or one of them. And remember they do a rap? Do you remember that at all? The two girls? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're one of the, yeah. Do you remember how the rap goes? Yeah. I thought do we cut it out or do I thought we did it? No, we missed it. We didn't, I didn't bring it up. I actually went over it. So Because we were talking about so, of like the samples and things, right? From... Oh no no yeah, but it's not the actual song we went through. There, I think they're in the movie, and and the club scene. They're one of the girls that they're interested in potentially. Yeah, and then they sell all the DJ. Yeah, my name is Peaches, and I'm the best. All the and DJs want to feel my breasts. Exactly, which is a great song. I just wanted to get you doing that, so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> I thought we. Are you sure? I don't know. Yes, we didn't. We missed it. We talked about it before recording, and then we didn't talk about <laughs> then we it. We forgot. <clears throat> okay, so check that out. Yeah, check. We can, post, we can go back and edit the last episode, <laughs> but check that out in the movie. It's one of the best raps ever written. It is. Or yeah, or let's just just insert this into the last episode. 
my name is Peaches, and I'm the best. All the DJs want to feel my Winslow's. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else just random to bring up or corrections <clears throat> before we get into the movie? Um, I feel like there was one more, but we'll probably remember it. Well, you went through it earlier. You said Alan Silvestri. Yeah, that was one. That, what about Jim Henson? Oh, yeah. I think I said Jim. Yeah, I was just trying just to think. Him. I we think were talking I said, about Harry and the Henderson. Henderson, I think that was just a Freudian slip. I said Jim Henderson. I meant Jim Henson because it's the Henson. Yep. Again, we're slipping the stuff in. Uh, don't know if anybody's catching it, but yeah, because it's the Henson group that put together that um, put together the um, the the Harry uh, animatronic uh, head. So um, again, of course, we know Jim Henson. His name is not Jim Henderson. And that, except when he was on the set of the Hendersons, he was like, he was trying to get in full character, so he was telling everybody to call him Jim Henderson. Did he do the puppets? No, I don't. Yes, he did. I mean, you want me to be real? It would be funny. Yes, he did. And so he was like, call me Jim Henderson. Okay, we'll look that up. So technically, that is not a, that's not a correction. All right. So... Here we begin. Did you get it? Let's try it one I more time. Sparkling. I spent a bottle of sparkling glow. Oh, oh, it's the glow. Did you last dragon? <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to do The Last Dragon. <laughs> doesn't have a lot of famous actors in it. Even, it? even when I have very low energy at the end of the day when we're recording this and it's a weekday, when you say Last Dragon like that, I just I start feeling, I just can feel it. I feel like I got the glow my body knows. I don't know what it is. There's something about this movie, but yeah, hit it. One minute, quick synopsis, synopsis, Mikey. We know a lot of people know this movie because it's become a cult classic, but go. And essentially, right, we can't just say it's The Last Dragon. It's Barry Gordy's Last Dragon. Barry, Barry Gordy. Gordy's Last Dragon. It's American martial arts comedy, kind of music video-esque. Incorporate yes. a lot of that into the film because it's backed by Motown and backed by Barry Gordy. And it's about a... African-American uh, aspiring ninja whose hero is Bruce Lee, who lives in Harlem, and um, he falls in love with uh, a producer, um, uh, uh, like a video, a music video show producer, and uh, gets mixed in with some bad crowd, both through that falling in love with that producer and trying to rescue her and save her. And um, also another local gang that's into martial arts um, <laughs> with a leader named Shona. It's already complicating the plot, but it keeps going. Sorry. <laughs> I, okay. The leader Shona. You threw me off now. Um, and uh, basically, he's aspiring to be the ultimate ninja and get the glow. Yes. Okay. Um, the movie, let me run through some facts real quick. The well, movie so was... what I did want to say, right, if anybody's been paying attention to the podcast, we have covered three of the boroughs, Revenge of the Nerds, Manhattan, 
coming to America. Right. Queens. Queens. And now we're doing Harlem. So who knows? Just... It's all coming together. But go ahead. Sorry. New York, we're going to do Gangs of New York next, yeah. I guess, or something. <laughs> Make sure we get it all covered. Uh, but yeah, the movie was in 19. So get ready for some bagpipes. All right, go ahead. <laughs> It was made in 1985. TriStar Pictures is a financial success. It had mixed reviews from critics because the plot is kind of pretty simple. I mean, but a bullshit. But go it's ahead. It's kind of like crack. Yeah. <laughs> After watching it again, they just do. They try to mix like pieces of all the fun stuff that was out there in the 80s without kind of having too much depth and not really having it make all that much sense. But regardless, if you can just stay above board, it's it's a fun ride. Yeah. You know? Um, I think I put a note here that Kill Bill heavily influenced this film is what I read and some of the things from Quentin Tarantino. No, that's just a lie. Yeah. That's a complete lie. That's not at all. He, he did not base that anything off. Anything. Of oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, the main character is Leroy. That was played by Time Off. Um, I think it's name. officially you say it, you call it his, it's Timac. Mac. Timac. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a watch. Yeah. Did he wear a Timac during the movie? Yeah, he wore it. Um, those were available, very gory, gory produced, the Time Act. It takes a lick in and keeps on glowing. I want one of those right now. <laughs> we're coming up with all these products. We're going to have to combine these. Maybe we can get somebody to back this. Well, actually, Time Act was sponsoring the um, Winslow, the Winslow Gallagher. What did you say? Fruit on a loop? What is it? Fruit on a loop? Oh, I can't remember. I know. Okay. Fruit boys. Fruit boys making noises. Fruit boys making noises. Fruit boys is making noises. That sounds like a Beastie Boys song. Yeah. Fruit Amazing. boys is making noises. Sponsored yeah. by Timac. Sponsored by Barry Gordy's Timac. So Timac, uh, he had no previous acting experience. That's why they end up hiring him. They liked his innocence. And actually, I think he's a good part of the movie. He does pretty he's decent. Great. He's not, <clears throat> doesn't. He has a couple weak points, but not too much. And he was a martial artist technically and that's part of why they got him too because he knew all these different martial arts so it wasn't like they had to retrain him and when he did some auditions he had like i said some innocence and that was good i think that was a good cast with him um he wears uh in the movie he wears the game of death suit again with bruce lee just like takashi Mm -hmm. so there's a nice tie there and he really wasn't anything else after this movie i mean he was in some minor stuff but not a lot and his biggest like claim to fame after that was being in janet jackson's let's wait a while video Mm. So if you get a minute, look that one up. But he's like the lead guy that she's in love with or what are supposed to be in love with, you know, in that one. Oh, and then the other one that was kind of hilarious that I saw in his little database is that uh, he also starred in an off-Broadway show in 2004 called Roadhouse the Comedy, based on the Patrick Swayze film Roadhouse. What? <laughs> I'm not making that up. Oh, I That's like it. true. How would you like to see that one with Timoc? Timoc, yeah. Or what if you you probably went to that thinking, oh, this is great, a comedy based on this has got to be a great combination. All of a sudden, you go in and it's just like an extra bonus that he's the, you know, in the show. But no, I'm I like not sure it. if that that's probably still not running. Unfortunately, that was 2004. But I would love to go get to, a ticket to that now. I like the part that you're saying that he, that he was the love interest in the Janet Jackson video, and then in this movie, to something we're going to get to, they show a video of somebody who was with Janet Jackson in real life in this movie. So it's just, again, a little full circle there. 
I know. Yeah, everything ties together. It's true. In the industry, it's like inbred or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though there's millions of people now with all the years this is Hollywood's been around, it seems like everything just ties together. Yes. For what we do. But like a lot of people auditioned for this role because with Barry Gordy behind it, it was kind of like hyped up quite yeah. a bit. So they had one time they even thought about using Billy Blanks. Remember him? Mm-hmm. The guy that did uh, Tybo. Mm-hmm. But they also had Denzel Washington, um, Wesley Snipes, and Lawrence Fishburne. Mm. All, all auditioned for this role, which is crazy. Um, and the opposite side, you've got uh, for Laurel Charles. Charles, she's the main love interest played mm. by Betty. And she was... Uh, uh, just, I mean, we have to mention her because she's she was a, a musician. Mm-hmm. So, and then she's in the soundtrack, which we'll get to that. But she was basically Prince's po- protege, um, and they ended up dying sixty days apart. Whenever that was, a few years ago, if you remember that, two thousand sixteen. Yep, she yep. felt it. Yep. Um, at one point, she was engaged to Nikki Six of Motley Crue. Um, she was also credited in Beverly Hills Cop, an Eddie Murphy Murphy movie soundtrack for nasty girl which was mm-hmm. like her main song with uh i can't remember the group but it was created by prince the group mm-hmm. and it's like vanity whatever uh vanity uh, six vanity <clears throat> six yep that i um, know just off the top of my head even without google i that because that's another good song and to be honest that song we're gonna get it maybe we can touch more on vanity when we get into the soundtrack because we can get into the song that she sang which i think is probably the best number two song you can on a soundtrack in terms of the one-two combo on a soundtrack ever. Uh, but right, yes, but Vanity she, Six, uh, that Nasty Girl song, which again had been featured in uh, um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 1, also a great song, almost sort of an outside song that we could, we could even just feature if we never did um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. But if you can believe this, it won a Razzie Award. The, so- the Vanity Six song or this the no, song no, from this sorry. one? The song in Last Dragon. That is As worst original song. <laughs> that is, I'm sorry, I don't like to cuss on this this podcast, but I will right now. That is fucking horseshit. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'm not going to get into it because, uh, but we will in a little bit later when we get in the soundtrack or the end of this thing. But uh, the Last Dragon soundtrack actually won a couple Razzies, and it's just absurd because it's ridiculous. It's, it's so like, it is uh, so. It's face. All right, we've listened to how many soundtracks have we listened to? You can tell that Barry and Motown, because it's put out by Motown, so you know what they're doing. The only thing I can think of is because they came so a little bit crazy with it, right? And it's so succinct. I think it's so well put together. You have a nice, you have classic people on it, but then you also have, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of the new people that they're putting forth or new people from the time putting forth. I think what they probably looked at it and just went at the time they looked at it and go, oh, well, it's a Razzie because it's not like what we think of when we think of like classic Motown. But to me, yeah. this it, it, with the with the ability to look at this in hindsight, I mean, this is a great soundtrack. That you yeah. can tell it's tight. It's tight with ten songs, and the way that it it echoes itself throughout. It talks about the glow on the first song. It talks about the glow halfway through, and then it talks about it at the end. It's it's like a little symphony. So anyway, it probably yeah, it's probably because the movie got a decent amount of hype and then didn't have meet everybody's expectations yep. of what the music was supposed to be, and that didn't help it. But she won two Razzies. She won another one for worst actress in Action Jackson, <laughs> which I liked her in this movie for her look and the feel. But yeah, when I watched it again recently, her acting had some issues. And I've never seen Action Jackson, but I could definitely see how her acting could spiral out 
um, not saying anything to our musicianship. Or so anything like that. To, to me, if we're talking about just our podcast, this is what I was thinking when I was kind of listening to the movie again and then listening to the soundtrack. Laura Charles in this movie really is um, kind of the, you know, another award that I think we could probably begin to give out is would we divorce our wives for the female protagonist award? The Patrice award. <laughs> yeah, so we could call it that. But, or the right, shrug the shoulders award. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. But right, number one, we talked about Betty Childs, right? What's Betty Childs? She's an okay dancer, but right, she's just sort of the untouchable, right? She's the other to the nerds, right? She's the right, thing that you look up that on, was, on a pedal, me that was, pedal. If you remember, song. we clarified that was Takashi for me. Yeah, for you, you was Takashi. <laughs> but I'm just saying, when you're looking at those, those Takashi Daisy Betty, Bell Award takes on a different meaning for me. Then it, then in Coming to America, <laughs> it's a totally different thing. So I'm, I'm interested to see who you choose for that one. But then, then uh, our second one, Coming to America. Who do we have? Uh, uh, Laura McDowell. Uh, uh, sorry, what's her? What was her name? Was it Laura? It was right. Patrice. Or it's Patrice, the, both sisters, Patrice okay. and, uh, was it Laura? Yeah, I think. Yeah, she's also Laura, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Patrice and Laura McDowell. So again, you've got a little bit of the other, but next door neighbory in, uh, so the untouchable girl and Laura. Patrice, you've got the dancer, but she's the sister. To me, Betty Child, uh, Patrice and Laura McDowell, you mix them all together and you know who you get. Laura Charles. Prince. Prince. Oh well, you get as close as you <laughs> Which can. Which is pretty much vanity. Vanity, so, exactly. Laura Charles. Even said that if who can also sing, who can also dance. So let's be honest and let's say it right now. Laura Charles in this movie, Razzie Awards, go fuck yourself, Razzies. That's bullshit. That is a strong position. Yeah, and what I'm saying is, is highly Laura Charles for tomorrow. all together. <laughs> Because it's that's so much, timely. That's fucking hot take. <laughs> hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Uh, I hate that term. Hot take. Um, okay. Let me tell you something, too. Because we were talking about Eddie Murphy, and then you just went back to that movie. But, well, um, she was the credit on Beverly Hills Cop. But her sister, okay, was mm-hmm. a model. Yeah. Vanity, and she dated Eddie Murphy for a while. Jeez Louise. And she was also in Coming to America. Holy sh- Vanity was? No, the sister, sister, Vanity's sister. She was the devil worshiper in the club scene. Oh, (laughs) guess what her name was? She's the devil worshiper, and then of course Vanity, so famously turned to Christianity after being with Prince and all this sort of '80s stuff. That's what did it. Her sister, yeah, getting taken over by the devil. When she goes, I worship the devil. (laughs) Guess what her name was. Um, in the movie or in the no, her real name, uh, Patrice. <laughs> Correct. No, that's awesome. <laughs> well, her name's Patricia. Does that count? Yeah. Well, we can almost stop pretend. So yeah. throw, throw, throw Patricia, uh, whatever Vanity's last name is, real actual name. Um, whatever her last name is, into that mix. Patricia Vanity. Still... I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, Patricia Van... Vanity. Pr- Patricia T. No, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Matt. okay. So she's the main girl, love interest character. Um, one thing to note: uh, Leroy's little brother, which was Tymac, um, he's Lee Obian, and his. The only reason I bring him up is because his actual brother in real life was. What, you mean? You mean Leo? Bri- I think it's Leo Bryan. Oh yeah, Leo Bryan. Sorry. Yeah. 
his brother was Master G of Sugar Hill Gang. Oh, nice. So he was. And again, I, I'll give it up to him because if, when you rewatch that, again, there's, I think there's that, the trope of the 80s little brother. He blows it yeah. out. Of the, he's, he's still one of the best because he, he did great he, in that movie. He's the little brother who actually knows more than his older brother. And that's, yeah, he was really, really and I'm good. Sure that's why you liked it uh, at the time. You were like, oh, <clears throat> I, that's dynamic with Leroy in the movie. Those two actors that I think did a really good job. And you remember that. I mean, we had a very similar conversation. Um, I was like, I'm scared of girls. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And you were like, you got to get the moves, man. You got to paint. You gotta, you gotta get your paintbrush. I was like, "What are you talking about?" And I, told, and I taught you how to jive talk too. Yeah, you t- and then, yeah. Then you were we were jive talking. Um, one other thing, real quick. Sorry, I missed about Vandy. That thought was great. Just like um, Leroy, or sorry, Ty Mott being in the Janet Jackson video. Of, she didn't. She had pretty decent amount of credits, but um, she was in an episode of Silk Stockings. Do you remember that show? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Um, anybody who uh, had USA to USA and could stay up and watch a little silk stockings know what we're talking about. There's nothing else out there. You had nothing else. You didn't like have... catalog or silk stockings. Yeah. <laughs> penny catalog. catalog or silk stockings or Sears catalog wish. Or Toys R Us insert. In <laughs> or, or as Mikey as Mikey has stated, uh, rewatching Jeffrey, the... Re- rewatching rewatching um. The... Over yeah. and over again. Mm-hmm. On Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> okay, running through a few more here. Oh, just, just one last one. Yeah, one more just for the for the, for the people. I because I always I always remember this because I saw I watched them grow up because we watched the Ninja Turtles movies. But Ernie Reyes Jr. is one of Timex um, uh, people that he uh, uh, is teaching, and he's a really little boy in it. But Ernie Reyes famously goes on, uh, and he's a real martial artist, and he's a little he's a martial artist, a little boy. Then went on to be in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and have a featured big role in that um, uh, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, and he was great in that. Is yeah. Kino? Kino, that's right. Kino. Yeah. And then two random, two random people in the movie you're never going to guess. You would never say we're in this movie if anybody asked you until you hear this. Like, you don't, no, no, no. William H. Macy. It was one yeah. of his first films ever. He's in a short clip of it where he's trying to convince uh, Laurel Charles to meet with Eddie Arcadian, the other <laughs> producer. That's his role. He's like a producer on her show. He's a heavy. Movie. He's a heavy dude. Yeah, for like five minutes. So he's in there, and if you you would never remember that, would you? Do you think or even think of that? I, I mean, I think I've heard it so many times. And again, I didn't oh, okay. watch the movie again. I listened to it while I was like going to work. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's the part with William H. Macy, without seeing it, because you can hear yeah. him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I kind of know now that he's in there. I think I feel like a lot of people have made a big deal about it, but, yeah. And then but it's Chaz, still cool to point out. Chaz Palminteri is also in it as, like, one of the thugs, and it was his second movie yeah. of all time. Uh, the director was uh, Michael Schultz. He did Crush Groove and Car Wash as well. Nice. And he was kind of tied with Barry Gordy a bit. Um, the writer was Luis Venosta, and really the only thing, other thing he did was Bird on a Wire, which is kind of an odd combination. Mm-hmm. You remember that one with Mel Gibson? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think they get like 
get end up in a zoo or something yeah. in the last action scene. That's one producer was uh, Barry Gordon. Oh, I feel like yeah, I was just gonna say like we were talking about about a kiss or whatever last time, and then it's like that and Burn on a Wire are these movies that I feel like I we put on at one point for a second and then just turned off, like a mid nineties romantic. We're never doing mid nineties romantic comedy these soundtracks because most of those we just turned off. Well, they're not very good either. Yeah, they don't... and the yeah. And the soundtracks are bad. Producer was Barry Gordy. Um, he's the founder of Motown Records. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They uh, also did The Wiz um, for films, for flicks, I guess worth noting. Um, the movie got uh, some awards, like we mentioned before, some Razzies, unfortunately, for both Seventh Heaven, we mentioned earlier, and The Last Dragon theme song, which is really just, we already said, go F that. That's not even... You'll hear the music soon, so you'll understand what we're going. What we're I mean, at. I just, I don't even, let's just start it. I mean, do we need to keep, to, I don't want to, I don't want to validate that is just not true. It's not true. And it's, it's uh, having not listened to them on part of the soundtrack in a while, when you listen to them back to back, it's literally the best one, two combo at the start of a, con, uh, start of a con, uh, soundtrack. I think the only letdown in that soundtrack is then when we go into the third and fourth song. Other right. than that, it's super. It's, and when you it's have two tight. opening great songs like that, what else do you need? Even though there is some good stuff throughout the rest, it's just yeah. like almost like you don't need what, anything else. Who was on the not Razzie nominating committee or like whatever voting board at that point? I want you to find out know. who they were, Mikey. It's almost like know. the Razzies in the eighties are reverse. You know yeah. what I mean? The eighties oh was a weird decade, so it was like reverse. So all right, like they were on coke and got everything backwards. Yeah, I'm sorry, they were, but. We will find out their names and we will post them below the episode. And we and will let's, and let's just harass the shit out of them. And all we'll do is just send the videos of Seventh Heaven and the Last Dragon to their inboxes over and over again. Um, but there are some positive awards too. And you, this is what you mentioned in the last episode was Diane Warren um, won a Golden Globe. Yep. Um, for. Um, Oh, sorry. She was a nominee for mm-hmm. Rhythm of the Night, a song that's in the soundtrack. So I don't want to give away all the songs in the soundtrack, but we slowly are. But <laughs> I guess it's just part of the podcast. I guess it is. But she won a golden, or nominee for that, and she's won, I mean, she's won a lot of awards for other songs, yeah. for movies and soundtracks for going on 30 years or whatever. Because uh, um, she also was a nominee for one of my favorites, Mannequin. Mm. nothing's going to stop us now <laughs> which we're probably going to do that movie eventually I'm sure that's got like four or five great songs on the soundtrack it does. One, but I mean that's one you sing all the time don't you yeah <laughs> when you just want to tell somebody that exact phrasing that nothing's going to stop us mm. everybody I think remembers this or hopefully does but do you remember a rapper that uh, brought the this movie back in the limelight a little bit in the late nineties. Which I'm sorry, which one? A rapper that brought this movie kind of back in the oh, limelight. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, Buster what? Rhymes. Yeah. In ninety seven Buster Rhymes paired the character Shown Enough, which we forgot to talk about. But he's yeah. he's obviously one of the best characters in the movie. Um in his music video for Dangerous. Mm-hmm. And in the video, he just takes a line completely from Show Enough and says it at the beginning to kind of kick off the, the music video. Yeah. And he's pretty good as Show Enough. I mean, they look kind of similar, don't they? Yeah. And kind of size. He's like taller. So was the guy that played Show Enough. 
Yeah, I mean, that's all it is, right? It's like their tallness and size, right? You're not seeing anything else there, are you, Mikey? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Maybe because he was just wearing the same. Just because he was wearing the same outfit. You're I, he, said yourself. he said the line's pretty similar. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm sure he's, I think Buster Rhymes saw himself in uh, that actor. So yeah. I think the actor, I'm sorry, I forget his name. Julius uh, Carey. Yeah, Julius Carey. Julius Carey, yeah. He looks, he doesn't look the same. So he obviously got really jacked for that movie. Uh, no. For, yeah. to be the, to kind of be the, the, the baddie in that movie. Because I think as you see pictures of him now, he's like a little, he just looks, he doesn't look that huge. No. But he was tall. Yeah. And he didn't, uh, they said he didn't know martial arts before the movie either. He had to do a bunch of training. Nice. But he just play, I guess he just played the character while in the audition, so they went the other way with him. But yeah, he ma- he kind of makes the movie, you know, the innocence of Leroy's character, the brother, younger brother, older relationship interaction in the movie, um, obviously the, the the music mixed in, and then show enough to me is kind of what makes the movie even now watching it recently more as an adult, and how we mentioned earlier that it's not really that deep of a plot or a movie it's kind of like i said crack where it just kind of takes all the sweet stuff <laughs> of the 80s and tries to pour it all together in a canvas but you know that's i mean people will do that a lot of times with movies yeah. and for some reason i don't do it a lot but but because sometimes when the movies do it there's just something else there that's not right but i feel like this one's okay oh so what i would say is um when you when you look back at this and you're you know, and you're 13 years old when you look back at The Last Dragon, or sorry, when you look at back at it now as though you watched it when you were 13 years old, sure, some of that, those kung fu parts aren't quite as um, entertaining or as resonant, but I think a lot of the pieces in the beginning about him trying to find himself, his work with um, his original master, and then your journey to become the master, um, and th- those parts uh, become more and more resonant resident uh as as you age um and that is uh, um i think that's why uh while this may have won some razzies that's why this movie is is um is everlasting but mikey why don't we go ahead and get into well um, actually i was gonna say that the kung fu was the best part i mean ultimately (laughs) it is and that's you can if you want if you want to entertain your uh inner uh 13 year old kung fu parts what the kung fu is not just for thirteen year olds. You're right. It's the for overall. The overall it's for four. It's for eleven year olds to fourteen. The year overall old. plot is like for thirteen year olds, or worse, or something. See, that's some, what. I, that's and some of the writing. I disagree. And some of Laura Charles' acting, too, and some of the other actors too. All right, it's basically a whole movie for thirteen year olds. Okay, fine. There is no hindsight to it that makes it look good. But they do, his little brother does break dance out of ropes to get out of being like captured, which is pretty cool. <laughs> do you remember that? What part? Have you, yeah, have you ever, um, have you ever done any kind of dancing to do something that wasn't that where the main piece wasn't just dancing. What do you mean? Meaning, 
your dance. So, right, we everybody knows like, <laughs> or whatever that is, the Brazilian fight dancing, right? That you're dancing, but oh, you're really okay. fighting. So he broke, he did break dancing in order to um, get, out, get of out of the, get out of the ropes, right? And I remember what he, he kind of did like a, he did like a, uh, uh, kind of put his hands together and then like went back and forth and they did it. But can you think of a time where you're dancing, you personally, you've been dancing to do something other than dancing, but you're dancing? I think I've danced before to try to get with women, but... I, <laughs> I don't know if that counts. Yeah, dancing, like booty dancing, right? You're not, you're dancing, but really it's just the booty. No, I just do like ballet. And it I, actually, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, that's usually how I start job interviews is I just plie, <laughs> plie into a moonwalk. I do kind of like that, uh, like an evolution of dance. Here's all the dances that were cool. Land of okay. a thousand dances. Should we go to the soundtrack? We should. I still want to say what, what uh, now, we'll put this out to the uh, listeners. Put in the comments for us what else you've been dancing. Oh, Zumba. When we do Zumba, remember our Zumba classes? You mean Taibo? Taibo? We did Taibo and. In- <laughs> High school, that was Billy Blanks. He almost yeah. got the part. Oh, I'm mock. Full circle. <laughs> but uh, that's, oh, I, I know guess you, that, I, I am going to tell you something. I, you, maybe Tybo's not dancing. You keep maybe. calling him Ty Mock. Matt. Ty think, think, think of the Chicago A. Matt. Okay. Ty Mack. It's Ty Mack. Maybe Tybo isn't dancing. Is it Zumba that's the dancing, actually? Zumba's the dance, yes. And Taibo, you're actually you're it's like kind of fighting. Dead. Yeah. No, it's that's like of... fitness. That's like fitness and martial arts. Yeah. yeah. Not really dan- I mean it feels like a little dancing, some of the moves. Oh yeah, I just feel like we're missing big categories. But uh, you know, put it in the comments, send us um, I think you can send voice messages to us on this on this app. Uh, and let us know the times that you have um, breakdanced to get out of bondage. Or, <laughs> or the like. Um, should we get into the soundtrack? Yeah, I, okay. I mean, we've hinted it at it enough. Let's get in there. Let's start I'll do it off. Summary, I'll do a summary of the soundtrack, and then we'll just get into the music. So the soundtrack um, was released in hand with the movie, like most. It's about 40 minutes long, 10 tracks long, released by Motown Records, obviously. Um, the production was supervised by Barry Gordy as well for the soundtrack. Obviously, he had a big hand in the movie as well. Um, the singles released off of it were Rhythm of the Night and Seventh Heaven. We mentioned that earlier. Mm. Mm. You could just, you could just, we could just stop this podcast and you could just keep saying those two songs over and over again, but go ahead. <laughs> those are pretty good. Um, also included in the soundtrack was new music by uh, Stevie Wonder. Oh, and we're, we're gonna get to that Stevie Wonder song. Another one where I just oh, when I when I hear it, I just remember hearing it for the first time, and it feels so good. But go ahead, um, Smokey Robinson. Yeah, big time. Uh, we mentioned Vanity, and mm-hmm. as well as some other artists from the Motown label. Um, the song track, the soundtrack has uh, songwriting from Norman Whitfield, um, who left Motown in '75 set up his own company, but then returned back in the early 80s. And Willie Hutch 
who is also a Motown um, music mu- music um, staff writer, music staff mm-hmm. writer. Excuse me. So um, that's kind of the summary of the soundtrack. Anything else to summarize the soundtrack or questions about that? Thoughts, comments. Otherwise, we could just start getting into the music. We can start getting into it. I just again, it's ten. It's tight songs, and I, I said that I think um, earlier, uh, and we'll talk about it. But just there is a flow about the. There's a flow about the glow. Uh, that goes, there's a flow about the glow that goes through this soundtrack. You got to know. So the first track kicks it right off. It's actually the theme song uh, for the soundtrack and for the movie. Should we listen to it? Let's hear it. Here we go. Possess the power of the Lord. That track track runs seven minutes and 30 seconds. (laughs) Written by Bruce Miller, written by Norman Whitfield, we mentioned earlier. Performed by Dwight David, which I don't have any reference point for him, but that's one of the best kickoff songs to a soundtrack you could probably have. It is. Especially with the long, drawn out intro. Um, that I believe we were talking about that you said, you know, they play a portion of that without getting into the actual lyric part, the the chorus part in parts of the movie and kind of tease you. And then you get it, I think, near the end yep. of the so, movie. So they play that first intro part, which really isn't intro sounding. They don't go to that big crescendo of the you are the last dragon at the beginning of the movie. And then at the end of the movie, they replay that song sort of at the climax when he's becoming the person getting the glow. And then they, then what's so great is that they, they, they sync it and then play that last part, that last uh, uh, sort of crescendo of, of the music. So that's what's so Which great about it. Obviously brings it on home. Yeah, it does. And um, I, do you think I, you would have liked uh, Game of Thrones last couple episodes if when Daenerys, spoiler alert, Daenerys, you know, went evil or whatever yeah and got on the dragon and started burning up the town if this song like came in like 
like a few minutes before uh, she got on the dragon, it started this song, and then it kind of played that whole thing while she was just killing everyone. So um, that's actually all I did was actually put put the uh, <laughs> put that on mute when it was actually happening on HBO song. Oh, you did. So that, I don't. That's what I, did I don't too. actually. I don't know it any other way. And that's why I'm like the one person on whatever Rotten Tomatoes that was like loving that episode. I was yeah. like, what are you guys talking about? I was like embarrassed of you, but now I'm not because I understand yeah. what, what happened. <laughs> I was just, you were like, oh. S- I'm going to do that now. This weekend. Oh, S. Dragon Love, my brother. What? That's so lame. Uh, we should really do that though and put it on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just because that's, that's good. so good. That's going to be the new, like, remember you used to, you used to, like, watch, what is it, like, you watch Wizard of Oz with Pink Floyd, (laughs) you watch, you watch that last episode of Game of Thrones with You Are the Last Dragon soundtrack. Yeah, because everyone hated the finale of the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it was a real person behind the curtain. That's like saying they were all, like, dreaming the whole time. Yeah. Or maybe even they said that she was dreaming the whole time. Kind of. Yeah, bullshit. Fuck That's you. That's ridiculous. Just fuck you, Judy Garland. That's what I. You know, exactly. Judy Garland was the last dragon. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. <laughs> so you can't. Oh well. How about our podcast name is "Fuck You, Judy Garland"? Just kidding. You're the last dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, some so, of these lyrics. They're pretty basic looking yeah. at for the song, but it doesn't need to be anything so, too difficult. Again, because this came out when we were kids and we were watching this, I have one confession to make. And I remember there was like a book called like, Excuse Me While I Kiss This Guy, right? So it was Excuse Me While I Kiss This Guy. I literally always thought, and it makes sense because it's a, it's a spiritual feeling song. I really always thought for the longest time um, that they said, uh, you, are, you are the last dragon. You possess the power of the Lord. I thought they were saying oh. Lord. And I was like, what? Well, basically, it's the same Yeah, thing. I know. I know it really is. It's ecclesiastical yeah. or something. <laughs> he, yeah, so that, anyway, you know, there's like religious overtone to it. And I did not know for the longest time that it was Glow. Did you always know it was Glow? Glow? Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 I did. I mean, I think just because obviously we're going to go to some other songs that have reference to the glow and that. I think that's probably why. Nice. But let's um, be honest. Time, time Mac was basically Jesus, right? He was Kung Fu Jesus. Yeah, he yeah. comes back. Well, no, he doesn't come back from the dead, I guess. But yeah, more. But I mean, he 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 circumvents death, right? He circumvents death. He's getting drowned in that pool of water. And then a, and gets a bullet in his teeth. <laughs> all he has to do is think of like five memories from the movie. And, it's, and then all of a sudden he gets the glow finally. Uh, no, it's been a whole process probably, I has. guess. Yeah. Like when he found the fortune cookie master. <laughs> don't. And it was just typewriter. Wait, don't even start. <laughs> I'm, I think you're hinting at what may be your Takashi Daisy though, but I don't know. We'll see. Okay, so should we go to the next song? Go to the next two. And again... We've told you guys this once. We'll tell you it again. The best one-two combo uh, pretty much ever on one of these 80s soundtracks. But, yeah, let's hit it. Tell them what it is. Well, I can't believe this one got a Razzie. God damn it. But we're listen. We're going to hit up. It's going to be Vanity here. I'm telling you, people, after you hear this one, you are really going to want to find uh, award nominee people, uh, the, the board or whatnot, and just go to their houses and kick All the right. shit out of them. We're so, going to listen so hit to it. it.
one. It's called Seventh Heaven. We mentioned it earlier. Somehow got a Razzie Award. Written by Bill Wolfer Vanity. Performed by Vanity 330 in like I don't there's no way you can give that a Razzie after listening to it again. This is ridiculous. I mean it's just like saying that The Last Dragon, like doing a review on it and having a bad review of it. Like, review. It's like you're, almost, yeah. it's like you you're could, taking the song too seriously to make it bad. Yeah. It's, it's she's being tongue she in cheek in it. For she, the movie. She, I mean, it's because she is yeah. like a music video TV show host yeah. performing the song on the show. Called, little the show little double entendre with the yeah. and it, it's in the movie yeah. as she's like as they're trying to show what the show's kind of about. Yeah. No, and you, again, I think she, being Princess Protégé, you can feel it. She picked it up. She's being tongue-in-cheek. She knows she's being over top with the yeah. singing. So she's doing it all on purpose, and it's to be funny and sugary. And again, I double entendre with the seven heaven and be in my ride and all this stuff. You know, she knows what she's talking about. So she's very self-aware, which makes it that much, I don't know, I think it's sexier. And so it's... Uh, I don't know. It's a great song. You can dance to it. So just keep putting it on. And there's, a, there's more than that as a danceable song on here, obviously. But that, I think it's, uh, it's, it is a great, um, it's a great follow-up, too, to the, to the, to the. Yeah, it's song. really good. I mean, it never stops. It hits. Yeah. It's hitting so you. If you, if you. Yeah, because you've got a very, self, the yeah, you've got verse, a self- the bridge, the yeah. chorus. It's just, I don't know. And it's also a great song to, in the movie because it does, um, set the tone for kind of her TV show and her character, I think really well, probably better mm-hmm. than a lot of movies do with dialogue and all the other stuff and building relationships and everything. Else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you watch the movie, I don't really, you don't realize like you got, you have the little uh, initial point with Leroy, uh, Tymac and the old, and his older master for like maybe three or four minutes while the credits roll jump right into seventh yeah. heaven and you're introduced to the character and you right away know what's going yeah. on. So it's the, the, the music really is, is, is driving that. And you go, I know where I'm at. I know what this is. This is like a modern day, uh, you know, uh, bandstand, uh, video, uh, show. And she's amazing. And that's all, and that's music all it is. Music is its own language. Yeah. So stick that in your pipe, Razzie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even pay- you know what? I'm not paying paying attention to any of that because that comes up. I think the same time we've been talking about the Oscars, the Oscar week, and what I, I just when it comes out, let's just all say Last Dragon and Seventh Heaven. Make up seven. for it. Like you, I That's wonder right. if you can rescind the Razzie Award somehow. We got to push for that. Ooh, that, like a, yeah, take like an back. internet petition. We could find take, out take what back. was really the worst songs that year in other movies and get them. Yeah, like push and get those on there because that's just ridiculous. No way. It's it's a great song. All right, so the next one, um, we'll listen to that. Should we just listen to that right away? Sure. Okay.
All right, that mm-hmm. was Star by Alfie, coming in at four minutes. That's a pretty good track, too. Maybe the one you forget, kind of, that's on here. Yeah, no, I, 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 maybe I was a little harsh in saying it's, it's not as good, the three and four. It's good, and I, you know, I think you've said it, Mikey. It's just a little too close in maybe tone and the uh, to to seventh heaven like yeah. they should have separated that because then it just when you compare it to the first two and then this it just seems not as, as good of a song even though probably on its own so I, i'll say this again i think some of the order of this you switch up some of the order on this too could even make it i mean i already think it's yeah. a great soundtrack but if you switch up the order on some of this You'd actually make it even better. I but, think you bring uh, three down. I guess when we get through it, I'll know better. But you bring three yeah. down closer to the end, separate it from Seventh Heaven, because maybe yep. Vanity heard that song and played off of it because it seems pretty close. Yeah, you know. But her tongue and cheek thing we said before, and like uh, yeah, and I, we're going to get to it. So yeah, I would say if you re- if if they would have hit one, two, three, and I think you know what I'm talking about, um, we'll get to it. But if you hit Last Dragon. Uh, seventh heaven and you know what that i think's down there at number like five or six yeah as the first three that's it so i'm thinking i might just i might just create my own last dragon playlist and, and just mix flip up the tracks we'll do yeah. that we'll do that so we've got denarius with uh last dragon over the top and then we've got <laughs> kind of flipping up the soundtrack and like formally posting that putting that out there, yeah what it should really be for the play order which makes sense <laughs> But yeah, no, this is a pretty mellow song. I mean, nice song. I mean, it's a little bit slower than Seventh Heaven, so I guess it's not exactly the same. But I think the problem is, too, we're going to listen to this next one, and it even takes it down another notch. So it's like maybe you're just like stair-stepping down in your head if mm-hmm. you back to back. But no, I mean, I don't remember what, what that was in the movie. Was that in? Was that when they were on a date? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was a ba- I think it was a background part. Or something when they yeah. were like uh, going around meeting each other, the two main characters. I feel like driving around in her car or something. Yeah, I think that is what it was. Okay. Well, should we go to the next one? Sure. All right. So the next one is Fire by Charlene. Let's listen to it. So that was Fire by Charlene, three-minute track. And um, I just don't like that one as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not bad, but that's what I'm saying. It just seems like maybe you think the track before a Star by Alfie is a little worse than it is just because it steps down from Seventh Heaven, like we were saying. So unfortunate placement for Star in between mm-hmm. those two songs, probably. 
But, I mean, that's still a good track. I think in the movie, they actually just randomly, they just play this this song and the music video with it. Yeah. Um, on 7-7 and, like, just interject it into the movie kind of awkwardly a little bit, actually. Um, almost like... Um, I mean, it's the part where he's... Yeah. Or <laughs> uh, no, I think it's when Eddie Arcadian has taken, has taken over the 7th Heaven Studios and he goes, Fire! Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. So he's just... But still, uh, it's just kind of weird that he just, like, throws this <laughs> out of nowhere in there. But I guess that was the point. I mean, there was a bunch of music mixed in and things like that. Yeah. It's kind of like music, like we said at the beginning, music video-esque to the film. Mm-hmm. And it's got um, that, I don't know, I, I think of, like, is it like, I feel like Rocky 3 or Rocky 4 because it's got that but a couple I think, of the sound effects or synthesizer are, sound effects are kind of bad. Yeah, are, yeah, are not very good production. Which maybe I don't get why if it's Motown Records, why they couldn't have cleaned those up and it might have been better. But I was looking up Charlene, and I guess her only other hit was really "I've Never Been to Me" in 1982. Did you ever hear that song? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a slow song, like, um, but. It's got pretty good lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's a uh, it's about uh, just I think she's she wrote it herself just about taking care of herself kind of as a woman instead of always worrying about you know everyone else. Got it. it seemed like a pretty good song, but it's completely vastly different from <laughs> this one, which is more like trying to be like a a pop song or something. Yeah. Okay, should we go to the next one? Yeah, let's see. Oh, I mean, this is one of the top ones again. And that and that's the thing, right? Is that ultimately 3 4. So, you could say not not to have it. You could put this one at number 3 and then have the letdown. Maybe it's better to have the let the little bit of a letdown and then just play this one, but yeah, let's let's go with it. Yeah, I think I would have gone 7th Heaven, Fire, Taken Star out of there, Drop Star down and then come to this one, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, let's listen to it and then we'll come back.
When you need to love, to love, to live, you live to love, to love, love, to live. When you got to go, to go, to flow, to go, to go, to go, to go, to go. That was just what they say. <laughs> You're an amazing that's rapper. What, that's what I was doing earlier when I said whatever I said. So this is The Glow by Willie Hutch. Three mm. minutes long. Mm. We mentioned earlier he was a staff writer for Motown. Motown. He wrote I'll Be There for the Jackson 5 as well. Not, uh, not surprising because this is funky. Funky, 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 funky the glow. He also wrote a lot of uh, black exploit, black exploit, ah. black exploitation. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just had some spit in my mouth. He wrote some uh, black exploitation did film you? music. <laughs> Foxy Brown. What? Wrote, that was the top one I saw. Nice. Cool. Uh, the whole sound. He did like the whole soundtrack for that one. Now there's a there's, a, there's a callback to Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino verse. If we got Foxy Brown on there. I wonder if, if he's still alive, Tarantino should do something with him if yeah, he hasn't. That'd be kind of cool. I'd love it. Uh, this song, I, I don't know, this might be my favorite song. I debate it, but it's one. It's definitely one of my favorites. And like we just chatted about, it's actually at the end of the flick, so it's another end-of-movie celebration song, just like uh, the Ewok song, mm-hmm. um, just like um, the Willow song. Willow? Yeah. So those would all that. So we can just add on to that massive that track, <laughs> whatever they call. What do they usually call that mashup? Remember, like yeah, we nice should do a mashup, mashup of that of those four songs somehow, and like get them all tied together. Here, just start playing them right now. So just, I'll start the list. And <laughs> so, what did we have on there? We have the end of Star Wars, Ewok, right? Return of the Jedi, Willow. I thought we had one more. Well, uh, the problem is Takashi's song's not really at the end, but yeah, yeah. That would be my celebration song for the nerds, but yeah, they actually we have we are the oh champions. yeah that's right yeah we are the champion but I would do that so Takashi song, and then um, right were we like upset about coming to America their kind of end one was just sort of it's just kind of music or something it was like a score song, so this song yeah. has a lot of meaning to me too because every time Kelly was pregnant I played this out of a huge boombox. Like every single time, because you know how they say when we're pregnant women that they have the glow. Yeah, and is that why? So, like, it's it's also why whenever we play the song out loud, all of Mikey's um, children just start like flinching. <laughs> You're right. I wanted them to like. No, they don't twitch. They start yeah, yeah. glowing. That's actually true. I want them to punch through the stomach and have like the glow in their hands. <laughs> they well, actually the lyrics are so good for them to get their mind right right yeah. from being like a fetus mikey t- and his fortune he just lines them up and they just start when he plays this and they just start doing like in a line like those punches you know like out two three four and we just say to reach that up never your mind your body and soul, soul must be one it's a sacrifice up. it takes hard work in the night up but see, that's a good motto to live by as a family. Yeah. To reach that right. upper level. Anything else on that song? Just great. And I mean, this is, we just get into some good stuff here right in the middle is all I want to yeah. say. Yeah. So really, I mean, we've only had kind of one song we didn't really like. Everything yeah. else has been pretty good and probably just bad placement on yeah. song number three. But this is a hard hitter for sure. All right, let's go to the next song and take a listen. This is... Uh, one of the main singles or the main single from the album. Mm -hmm. Let's take a listen. 
I mean, sure. oh, the rhythm of the night. I think it, it always helps when you listen to this song closer to the weekend and you just go, I, I hear you, DeBarge. Like you could be a little, I mean, I think it can still help you on like a Monday. but it, I don't know about a Monday. That seems like a little much for me. It might, but like on a <laughs> Thursday night, like when we're recording this, it's just like, oh, we're almost there. Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge, written by Diane Warren, who we mentioned earlier in the podcast, who just has tons of writing credits and awards. 340 length. This one was part of this album, but at the same time, it came out on DeBarge's own album. So, And they were really, this is the time frame where they were really trying to push DeBarge uh, as like, like the, both the group and uh, him singularly as the kind of like the next Michael Jackson, like to be found Michael Jackson. So they were. Yeah, it was pretty quick. I think maybe because they were later, you know, obviously later than Jackson 5 was or something. So they, mm-hmm. it's almost like they got stuck. They like started to barge to have another Jackson 5. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then Michael Jackson probably went started around that time and they go solo. So then they start trying to break these guys off to go solo, like the same thing. And it kind of broke up the group. Mm-hmm. And that's remember our buddy Chico. That was part mm-hmm. of he when they lost a couple of the main brothers to doing their own thing. Then that's when Chico came back or came into the group, actually. Nice. And, and they try to like keep it together, even though like the main guys, <laughs> the main brothers. You know, left. did you know Chico was also part of that one? Um, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, Smith movie. Do you remember it called Woo? <laughs> That's no. from like 1998. Oh, I don't know. Just like when I saw him the other day, I was like, that was just such a that was like a weird one where they were still trying to do a movie like this, but in 1998. Wow. Yeah. No, I probably I probably saw it, but just disregarded it. So yeah. I'll look at it later. But these guys were from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. And I've been we have you been up to Grand Rapids, Michigan before? No. Why do they have something for him up there? Uh, they don't. Yeah, it's where Gerald Ford is from. So it's like, it's very funny because it's um, when you run around that city, there's Ford stuff. So it's, I think it's even though it's, it's, it's in Michigan and then it's in this place, um, it's very Republican because he's from there. But then everything's also DeVos. If you know DeVos, since a lot of people know like Betsy DeVos. Um, yeah. Well, that the DeVos family are really, you're like, you're kind of walking around going, why is there so many things, the cultural center, all this is named DeVos. DeVos, the, the kind of the patriarch of that, which is like, she's married into that family. Um, he, they're the people that did like Amway, you know, so like mm-hmm. products, you know, that kind of a thing. So yeah. that, 
But Grand Rapids is an interesting city because it's got that part of it. And then there's also this really like cultural artsy part, but it's not a huge city. So you can see it all together in one part of the city. Um, so it's cool that they're kind of from there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they obviously like but made, this it song, out, made um, their way to Detroit. This song went number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the Billboard R&B charts. So, I mean, just so deserved uh, to be there. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's always been one of my favorite songs. Really um, good vocals, good lyrics. And right, um, it was, Eldebarge did go out with Janet Jackson. Am I, was I making that up when I said that before? I thought I was I right. That, that could be true. I didn't see. Yeah. That. I thought that was a whole thing. Um, when we were kind of bringing that back between Ty, Ty Mac being in her video, but I think that was, I think he was at one point. So we'll have to double check um, what I, I remember that being uh, said or bandied about at the time. And so a couple other, just like a couple other tracks we mentioned before, this is just in the movie. It's a music video. They play the mu- part of the music video again. Um, so just like almost like an advertisement. It is. Group, you know. And what's so funny, I realized that we said it wrong. On 7th it's, it's actually the sec. So you hear the glow at the beginning of the movie. Uh, not the glow, sorry, the um, the last dragon, that intro part. When they go into Seventh Heaven, this they hit this right away, and then she comes back and does Seventh Heaven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, but the, still, that's a good combination to kind of draw you in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Um, should we go to the next one? Yeah. All right. Um, the next one is from a, some a guy that uh, most people know. Oh wait, sorry, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that um, uh, teacher George, shout out to teacher George. Uh, he teaches uh, our music together class uh, for my son, Elliot. And um, teacher George, during, there's a free dance play time. He all, a lot of times will play Rhythm of the Night. Um, and that's how I know I love him. Uh, so that's shout out to teacher text. George. It is, and, and everybody, everybody loves it. It's so funny. You have all the parents in there and the kids and a bunch of <laughs> one, two, and three-year-olds and everybody's jumping around. So shout out to Teacher George for that one. But so sorry, I, I, I had to do that. Hashtag Teacher George. You bet. Hashtag Rhythm of the Night. All right, on to the next one.
I used to re- I used to listen to this song and think. I guess I didn't know for the longest time that it was actually Stevie Wonder. I was like, "Oh, this is a really good. This is a really good Stevie Wonder ripoff." <laughs> it's actually <laughs> so you know Barry Gordy called in some favors in '85 uh, to get this to happen to get Stevie on the soundtrack. Maybe I don't know how that works. I mean, they, how many times do the people on the soundtrack read the script of the movie and know how good it is or not? Yeah. You know? I guess I don't. They, I don't know what was when was was when was he not on Motown anymore? I guess is what I would say. I oh, know. gotcha. Yeah, that could be. Maybe it was like part of the contract that he would do like three more songs. Yeah, <laughs> he's like. And so this was one of them. Fine, Barry. But yeah, this is upset stomach. Stevie Wonder. And it's, um, it's a good. One. It's a good one. Uh, it's like again, um, it's a switch up, but it's by it's by a legend, um, and the chorus is probably the best part. Um, yeah. A legend, the second best blind pianist of all time. Yeah. <laughs> behind, <laughs> behind, uh, blind, blind boy. The guy from Star Trek. Yeah, the guy from Star Trek. That visor thing. Star Trek. And blind does he boy. Play the piano in that TV show. He does. Like a futuristic piano. <laughs> like he's like a piano from like the where, bars. Yeah, they, he Wars. does what he does, um, and he doesn't sing, but it, it's when they're in the like the futuristic bar. And then like Whoopies, you know how Whoopies on Star Trek Next Generation too, and she's the lounge singer in it. Man, that's great. It is. Um, uh, yeah, I you know I I get uh, I don't know about you, Mikey, but I get an upset stomach uh, from a broken heart. Um, how about you? No, it's pretty much just the upset heart. No, yeah. So, but I, yeah, I'm not talking physically um my heart i'm saying you know when we when we when those um you know it's almost valentine's day those little broken heart candies i get oh, an upset God. i get an upset stomach from eating those gotcha but uh, upset oh. stomach. <laughs> i got an upset <laughs> i got an upset stomach from these pepto-bismol style chalky remember we talked about the yep. pepto-bismol i know you could pull it all together I got an upset stomach from a Pepto-Biz. And also so those... Laura should just get you one of those candy hearts and it says diarrhea on yeah. it. <laughs> who likes those? I don't know anyone who likes those. I like those. them. Oh, they're just like chalky nothing. Ugh. Have you ever eaten chalk? Yeah. And they're, it's more delicious. I'm nope. like, I, that's my favorite song to sing. I'm like, I got an upset stomach from uh, um, chalk. And it wasn't have from eating gross the, ass heart candy thing. Have you ever tried to use those candy hearts to draw on the sidewalk? Yes. And, and it doesn't no, and it doesn't work. And oh, then my hands no. were my knuckles were just all bloody. So they're only good for diarrhea then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a pretty good song from Stevie Wonder. I mean, this is just this soundtrack, now going back to it even again, it just it is strong. It very is a, strong. It is a very strong soundtrack. But I didn't see anything where it really had very good sales, I guess, because maybe the movie didn't have good reviews. But why yeah. would you drag down the soundtrack if at the time, even though, but but the movie had good sales. So it mm-hmm. just doesn't really make sense why this didn't have a lot of sales because it's such a good combination. Maybe it's missing one more big hit because it, maybe it's because they released the DeBarge album in hand with it like DeBarge yeah and then that. so they sold DeBarge and then people yeah. were buying out a lot of his people were buying like, out I don't want to double double it up yeah 
that's so, probably what happened. Since we're a little, we're, we're close to being uh, towards the end of the soundtrack. The one thing that I did want to say, and I, and, and this, again, the movie um, isn't necessarily sequential in order of how the, those songs aren't being played in the way that the movie is played, but about three fourths of the way through the Moody movie, um, we've talked about, you know, that there's pretty bad acting from vanity or can be some kind of cheesy acting from, from vanity and also from time act though. I beg to differ, but I, I will think time act's acting was good, but I no, well, I do. I do like 85% good. There was a couple parts that were not the best. That weren't the best, but you know, it's all the, the thing is it's all those surrounding actors as we talked about that are actually really, really good in the movie, but literally what stands out for me and I'm going to perform it right now was at the, towards the halfway point. There is a scene with Eddie Arcadian and Angie, who's his girlfriend, Angela Vicaro, I guess is her name in the movie, um, who's the person that Eddie Arcadian, the villain, is really trying to get Angie, meaning uh, onto Seventh Heaven, onto Vanity, um, Laura, uh, Charles, right? Charles' um, uh, show, because she's also a singer. They kind of have a falling out because she doesn't like how he's being mean to to um, time act to, and to all of them, you know, and he's just kind of a psycho. Um, and Eddie just goes, and it, it's almost seriously, I'm not even kidding. And you can agree with me or not. It's like an Academy award winning scene. She, she's so like raw in at the girl and the guy. And he just goes, where are you going to go, Angie? Without me, you're nothing. Without that outfit, you're just another no talent dental hygiene school dropout from Kew gardens getting by in your tits. And then she kind of like whimpers a little bit and goes, yeah, in the end, Eddie, you know what? You're nothing but a misguided midget asshole with dreams of ruling the world. Yeah. And also from Kew Gardens and also getting by on my tits. Nice job. Thank you. But do you I remember? I think you won a Razzie for that. <laughs> I know. Did I just did I get nominated for Razzie? But do you remember well, that? Well, that scene, I mean, that was pretty good and good di- like yeah. dialogue. It's probably one of the few things that actually has, like, a little bit of depth to it. Yeah. But yeah. the girlfriend character of the of the evil producer, um, she's kind of a play off Cindy Lauper. Yeah. That's, I believe. That's what I think they're going for. Yeah. And at the end of the end of the soundtrack, I want to just, I want to go into a cut, one thing about her later on. Sure. I think it's kind of interesting. Unless we wanted to, do, do we want to pause and say who our... Uh... Who our Takashi songs are right now? Yeah. No, why don't we just get through the rest and okay. then we'll do okay. that and right. do a summary and a couple anything else you want to yeah. do. Yeah. All right. Perfect. All Go. right. So the next couple of tracks, um, probably a little less well known, but let's let's go hit the next one. I think that this might be what I've been dreaming of. I don't know what it is, but people call it love. I wonder if they really know. Did you do this just to please me? I never knew that anything could feel so good. I guess I wasted lots of time, and if I could, I 
Ferris Wheel, sung by Smokey Robinson and Sarita, written by Harriet Schock, Nisha Siegel, 330 in length. A ballad song for the movie, like we said, every 80s song has to have one ballad song. Yeah. So sometimes they get forced. Nobody's fault, really, I don't think. Love Smokey <laughs> Robinson, don't love him on this one. It's just, I think it's the chord changes. I, I will say, first time on a Ferris Wheel, just the title, what does it make you think of? Second time I was on a Ferris wheel. Yeah, I think I think it just makes me think of like our father actually once finally being on a Ferris wheel since he's always scared to go on the Ferris wheel. Really? <laughs> That's crazy. It's the one thing Elliot always remembers is that when we went on the Ferris wheel at Navy Pier, you just we've gone now multiple times. He just goes, and Grandpa just stayed on the ground. Remember? Yeah, I don't think he wanted to get on because he just ate a bunch of candy hearts. Yeah, I don't. So he didn't want to accidentally... Well, no, no, no. He actually ate a bunch of chalk. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the two. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a lot to say about this song. It, it is the ballad. It's the, it, has to, it, it has to happen. I don't... We'll have to double check, but I don't think it's in the actual movie. I think it just comes on after oh, the yeah. celebration and the credits go to black and this starts playing. Yeah. Or maybe just like right at the end, it kicks off. I could be wrong, but that that probably means like they didn't like the track enough even to put it in. Yeah, unfortunately, a last yeah. dragon scene where they're like date, you know, going on a date or something, which is kind of. I'm sure they wrote it for that. Like, and then sorry, like, sorry, Smokey, you're not yeah. good enough for the last dragon. That's we great. we will put the uh, Angie characters videos in the middle of the movie, but we, you can't put Smokey Robinson's salad to the credit. Have you ever taken uh, Elliot to Chuck E. Cheese and those little tiny kids Ferris wheel there they have there? Um, there is a pizza place uh, up by us. It's just like a family-owned one, and they have one of those. And yes, we have. And he's uh, scared to death of that thing. Well, yeah, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't put him in there for real because yeah. <laughs> it just means you're gonna die. Because I mean, seriously, so he went on the he went on the regular Ferris wheel at Navy Pier, and he's like not scared, but he looks at that thing, he's just like he like runs the other way. Um. So yeah, this is a, definitely probably though the first track where it's just like a or maybe the second where it's just not a good choice. Yeah. Like messed up Smokey Robinson, which is not, I mean, I don't, when I hear Smokey Robinson, or I think of Smokey Robinson, you don't think ballad. Yeah. Ballad, so they could have done something different. Yeah, or, and, and it is a true 80s ballad with that one, da, 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 that weird, I don't like that chord change. I don't know, they did that in yeah. a few different songs. So. Well, it's almost like uh, we really didn't write anything good, so maybe if we just do chord change, we can yeah. chord change our way out of this thing. You're like, you can, oh, you oh can. by the way, we've got Smokey Robinson. Yeah, and guess what? You're just on the Ferris wheel of mediocrity. Okay, should we go to the next one? Yep.
peeping Tom. I always I feel well. like I am a peeping Tom. Why does he have all his songs about watching people? <laughs> oh, it's the <laughs> reverse, right? It's like before he was the one being peeped on as uh, I always feel like somebody's watching me. And then she's like, she's my peeping Tom. Let me tell you something. You know how you get a woman to love you? You call her. Yeah, yeah. you're just like, hey, baby, you're my peeping Tom. What? Come on. Yeah, that's that last episode you said you're going to call Lori your Patrice. Yeah, you're going to call her your peeping Tom. (laughs) Hey, sweetie. All the pickup lines. (laughs) Valentine's Day is coming up. You're my Patrice peeping Tom. You can get her. I think you can customize the uh, heart candies. Peeping. Patrice on there. Peeping Peeping Tom. Tom. Diarrhea. Diarrhea, and then of course, and then you can just write chalk. You just write first time on a Ferris wheel. That would be a lot of words to put on, <laughs> on one of those. First time on a Ferris. <laughs> it's like all like screwed up, smushed <laughs> on there. Actually, all these would be great. Rhythm of the night on a candy heart. Yeah. Fire. Oh, just every everyone. Yeah, these are ba- all of these are the glow. Rhythm of You're the my night. My last dragon. Upset stomach, and then you break the candy hat apart. I like it like that. Mm -hmm. I like it like that from last episode. Yeah. That's what we should do for the girls. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, that's they don't want uh, some fancy dinner or us to love them. They just want us to put 80 soundtrack customized. (laughs) Candy hearts. Candy hearts. We hear you. Girls, we know you're you're two of those 50. We know that you're two of those 50, and we love you, babies. We love you, little honey babies. So you mentioned that Rockwell's really big hit was somebody's watching me. And Rock, like yeah, and Rockwell, Michael. of course, uh, Rockwell, of course, earned his way onto the soundtrack. There has, has no any other way, reason why to be on the soundtrack. He earned his way with his musical talent, right? No, probably just that song came out around then or something. <laughs> no, because oh, I thought he's Barry Gordy's son. Oh, he is. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I know. That's so. why. That's why Michael Jackson was on. He, he's always watching Sang me. the chorus. Yeah, because okay. Barry Gordy's like, hey, can you get him on song? Well, but yeah, yeah no I, I still, I, and I'm joking, but I am joking because I actually do like Rockwell. And I, I, I actually think that while the, the song, it's a little awkward in terms of like why you're my peeping Tom or like the metaphor that they're trying to make, I get it. Um, but uh, it's actually a, a pretty good song. I don't know when it comes up in the movie. I think it's when he, it's just a random, I think when he's walking with his little brother, Leroy's walking with his little brother and he's teaching him how to jive talk and some other things. I think it's just mm-hmm. him there. It's kind of like a filler. I agree. Uh, I could be wrong. We might need to go double check that, kind of update what the real thing is with this one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then we, um, right. Is that, do we get to the end then? Is that it? Or one that... more track. Yeah. One more track on the, thing and then we can summarize it all and and i wanted to hit on a couple more things but let's yeah. should we listen to the last song yeah and so again from somebody we've heard from before well we yeah and so that's the whole thing is you've got last dragon right which does it it does it's not power of the lord it's the it's the power of the glow then so that is why I think it's okay to put the glow at five might be to be honest right because then now halfway you've got the glow and then finally, and we end on this one.
So we saw we are hearing from Willie Hutch again, the master, <clears throat> with "Inside You" featuring the Temptations. I don't know where they're featured. Yeah, <laughs> I guess in the chorus. Maybe they're the yeah, probably. He's a master. That that's the best intro. Wow. Song. We, so we caught we cut like a three minute intro. Well, one you said one thirty before the rhythm comes in, and the rhythm comes in, and another minute thirty, then he starts singing. I. So again, now he's talking about the overall movie. I was when I listened to this the other day. I go, what a contrast, right? If you're talking about, um, uh, you know, and I forget the names, but from the Revenge of the Nerds soundtrack, where it was just the Revenge of the Nerds song, right? Where the, oh yeah. They had no idea what the movie was about, and there's nothing. Yeah. Contrast that with Inside You by Willie Hutch, where he is literally saying the plot of the movie in the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, like, but I mean, not a ton of plot. So <laughs> yeah, I know, but, I understand. So it but I'm just saying, bit. like, if you look at those two juxtaposed, Willie Hutch totally had the inside baseball knowledge of like exactly what the movie was, and then wrote a song as the last track of the songs. song that is literally a summation of the movie. Yeah, a couple of songs yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think I would put the glow at the end. Mm-hmm. and put this one up in there i'd move rhythm of the night yeah up. but think about it. they're they're cooling you out but they're still giving you an upbeat thing to think about so i i, I don't know i agree to disagree there because i while well, the intro we were laughing so much when listening to that intro it does just sort of get you to go okay we've we've been up we've been down we've heard all these things we got by on our tits and, and now we're in, we're kind of in this mode and then we're just going to uh, do a summation, right? So we can take this, we can take the knowledge that we earned and learned from this movie or, or from listening to the soundtrack and go, uh, go use it in the world. Well, we're going to have to settle this by coming up with our rearranged playlist yeah. and see who really likes what. Oh, oh, oh. I think I'm going for every, Last Dragon. For everybody that wanted to listen to different variations of the Last Dragon soundtrack. <laughs> Coming Take the time. <laughs> 40 minutes times three. Original <laughs> Mike John. One hour and 30 minute sesh. <laughs> we are known for our brevity. Uh, I get the, we, we, uh, so, 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 um, so we want to live up to that. <laughs> no, but that intro was epic. And I mean, even though the song is a little bit whatever, it's, it's perfect for the soundtrack. It is. And whether you agree or disagree where it should go it's definitely should be in the soundtrack yeah. so way to i mean that was um going back through that like i said earlier that just reinforced to me how great of a soundtrack this really is it's it is top one that a lot of people more people should own that probably nobody has i don't do, do, you, do you have it on uh, record no on i don't album? i don't either now i was just thinking the other day i was like I think this is what I never actually got. Now I want to go get it. I want to go find it. I'm sure so, somewhere. <clears throat> there was some chatter about 
And this is what I wanted to mention earlier. Who is his girlfriend again in the movie, Eddie Arcadian? I mean, her name's uh, Angie. Yeah. Real name. And Vicaro. I don't think she ever said that. She just says called her Angie. But in a couple other um, episodes, we talked about songs within the movies. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get her, um, Eddie Arcadian is trying to get her to be a, a pop hit. Yeah. And there's two songs within the movie of hers that are really good. One's called Dirty Magazines. Dirty Books. Dirty Books. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they should have put that on the soundtrack. In my yeah. Opinion. So maybe yeah. I'll add that into my mix, too, of where that one goes or her two songs go. But there's definitely some chatter when they re-released this in, on CD that they should have. They kind of missed the ball by not yeah. throwing her tracks in the soundtrack. And I'd have to agree with that. And I think the funny – so I'll say it right now. And then the other one they do for her is Test Drive, which is more like a 50s-style song. The Dirty Books is supposed to be bad, right? But Vanity, Laura Charles is listening to it and acting like it's bad, but it's actually a really good song, The Dirty Books. Um, so, yeah, there's two of those in there. And I was, I was going to see what you were going to do. So if, they, if you're going to do the one that I think you're going to do, then I'll tell you I was going to do this opposite. So I would say Dirty Books is my um, Takashi. Oh, uh, really? Wow. Yeah. Just Because I already know what the gonna be so i'll just say i'll just do this one if we Why, want to what's talk. what's the other one gonna be oh what so what is your what's your uh takashi song oh no now i feel like i'm missing something oh no it's all right what does it have to be a song that's in the movie that's not on the soundtrack i mean typically but you can do whatever you want oh no now i feel like i missed something oh that's all right i was just gonna say that well the other one that I would think of, if you're not going to do Dirty Books, which is a really good one, maybe could we, let's just like throw that in the background as we're talking here, just so it's on for a second, you know. Um, oh, are you talking about when the Asian guys dance? Suki Hooky Hock Sock Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I can't have two, I mean, Takashi was Asian, so I don't know if I can have. It's, I think it's quite all right. I mean, is that what you were going to do? Well, yeah, but I yeah. had that on here. But I wasn't going to do it because I didn't want to be, like, typecast. You're, it doesn't matter. Okay. Well, I will go with that one and, and The Glow. Those are my two favorite. Yeah. Got but it. Yeah, that is a great part when the... Um, I guess I always thought of the Takashi... Sorry, the, I, you know, we should explain. I think I always thought of the Takashi song would be the thing that's, in the, that's not on the soundtrack. Yeah. Okay. Okay, then, yeah, then it has to be that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So and you're gonna take um, dirty books. Yeah, I'll, I'll oh, dirt, that's that's one of the best combos. Uh, of... What what about a one two? What about an entire alternate soundtrack? A one two combo of of Suki Hooky Hock Sock Sue and Dirty Books. Yeah. Put those two against Last Dragon and um, Vanity. I mean, yeah, those two should be on the soundtrack because they're yeah, great. Yeah, they should. That's Actually, let's just let's but just yeah, quick, quickly listen to for it. Everybody, there's a part of the movie where. He's, he gets, um, Leroy gets told when he's training, his final mission is to find the master and get his last instructions. And he gets this gold medal. He finds the master and it's at this fortune cookie um, place. And three guys that help run the business are out. They just walks up and they're like, soul Asians? Because <laughs> they like talk soul and they love soul. And they're having this, they're doing like, it's like a reverse um, thing because then they're acting like he is actually Asian, meaning yeah. Timac, and so they're probably that might be the best part of the movie yeah. as well. Yeah, that dynamic that Timac is African American and he's more like Asian, has an Asian, Asian aesthetic. Yeah, 
martial arts and then these guys are more into the soul stuff and they're actual Asians. Yeah. But it comes up to him and they're doing a dance and the song is great. The dance is really good. There's a group <laughs> watching and it just it go, it shows the dance for like way, like longer than it should regularly. Because it's two so minutes good. of dancing. Yeah. But that song is called uh, and maybe let's just play it if we can a little bit. Uh, okay. called Suki Hooky Hot Saki Sue by Raw Dog. <laughs> Yeah, listening to that and then just kind of peeking at the dancing again just reinforces <laughs> that as a top pick. Yeah, right. but I don't care if you want that one. I'll switch with you anytime for, yeah, for thirty, 30 books. books too. But yeah, I yeah. hooky uh, that one. The Raw Dog trying to obviously be a little bit James Brown or yeah, you know, the James Brown style. Uh, and again, surprise. I mean, it is the, the, almost the full. I mean, a lot of the songs on there. Uh, so it is interesting that it's out on the soundtrack. Uh, and then maybe we could quickly play. A little bit of dirty books just so everybody can get a little flavor. That's catchy. Yeah, it is. And I think there's supposed to be like, you're supposed to kind of laugh about the fact that she's saying, I found him, I found him, and, you know, and her boyfriend's Eddie Arcadian. So it's like, I think that's the whole, I'll be, you know, there's another joke there in terms of them saying dirty books, I found them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she's really funny. And I, I, do you know a lot about the, uh, that's Faith Prince. So she's the actress and she did do the singing. No, I don't know anything, yeah. but we could. Oh, well, maybe well, that'll be a follow-up for next episode. A couple of things just hitting on. Yeah. I think I, uh, we had a couple of things that we'd get to just next episode hit on. Yeah, including... so we can look some things up about Faith Prince. But, yeah, I didn't – because I always just thought of her as the actress in this, but I think she has other things uh, on, on. That she's done. Yeah. She did, she did pretty good, too, as, like, a knockoff. Um, City Lop. City Lop. Yeah. But I yeah. don't know if – like she's if she was doing well acting or she's kind of like that and that's why she yeah. was cast that way probably a little bit about well we'll look and we'll figure it out maybe not i mean that tits dialogue scene yeah that's what like, i'm saying i think she's, she's got like a, the yeah, she's got the, the chops and the range and can do all those things so yeah yeah um so just a couple other random things um we talked about break dancing out of ropes that was a note i had <laughs> it's important we talked about the dancing um asians we just did that um, we didn't just talk very much about show enough, but I'm not trying to stretch anything yeah. out too much, but 
I mean, he was a great character. His outfits in there. Yeah. Um, he had like six or four or five different just unbelievable outfits. That's probably why um, Buster Rhymes did that. <laughs> I feel like um, what were but those? Had, what were those like wrestling guys that had like shoulder pads oh, yeah. like that? In, in, I like, don't remember right yeah, now. Yeah, but, but they had they. I feel like they like. Or... Not heartbreakers. They were something. Okay. I can't remember. Like warriors, road warriors. warriors? Yeah, road warriors. Yeah. They were like very. Kinda like they kind of like looked like like the show enough, and they obviously off, and that was like more in the nineties. And Jose Canseco. And Jose Canseco, just in general, was trying just to show their pads on with a bat. Yeah. Um, also, just shout out to. Um, well, just Leroy. shout out to Jose Jose Canseco, number one, but. <laughs> Leroy, when he catches the the bullet with his teeth. Bullet with the teeth. The end. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch, we mentioned some of the fight scenes too. Those are a lot of, you said those are 13 year olds. I think they're classic, some of them. Um, <laughs> Maybe they, hire all these, they hire all these goons and they hire like a baby, like a I guess, fat guy in diapers. Yeah, that's, I guess that's what I mean. It becomes like a video game that it may, I guess what I was thinking. Yeah. Plus Kino's in there. Yeah. That's true. Um, that we mentioned earlier. So. Yeah. I don't know. It was pretty. It was pretty good. And and um, Timak Timak <laughs> had martial arts training, so he was it looked pretty fluent. So Timak takes the licking, keeps on ticking. Show enough. Shogun of Harlem. Shogun of Harlem. <laughs> anything else? Should we ta- uh, summarize the the soundtrack the movie? Anything else? We uh, I mean, it's great. I know. I, I don't even want to say it. I know when you said you were reading through some of this that you read a comment that said they were making doing a remake. Um, I'm. I just. I'm out. Then I'm just out. Just don't. Don't do it. If that. Hopefully that was errant. It looks like it got started and stopped. Okay. So it might good. Not be- Good, fully, but they had the biggest, the hardest thing they had was they had casted Samuel L. Jackson as Show Enough and um, Rihanna as Vanity. Mm, okay. But that was like seven years ago. Okay, it looks like it died out. Like it didn't get off the that ground. That didn't happen. Yeah. So you never yeah. know when something will have a resurgence and get remade. To me, don't remake it. There's no reason to. Uh, it just, this is a, we can always say this, but it's a fine wine. This just keeps getting better with age. And when you go back and you look at the soundtrack, um, uh, again, I, I, you can tell it was put together by a master. Wyatt Ryan or Razzie have no, you know, some of these Razzies, they're, they're all influenced by different, um, some of the greatest, either they're the greatest people themselves or there's influence from the greatest people themselves, or you, you can feel that that's. Um, there, so maybe that was part of it. That there's some B teamers on there that they felt like it wasn't good enough. But I think listening to it now, um, sort of all the way through, like you said, you just you gain a, a deeper appreciation for how it runs against the movie, and then what what they were trying to do in terms of just the actual soundtrack itself to, as a standalone from the movie. So the Last Dragon um, from 1985. Check it out. Check out the soundtrack. Hey, I would say preferably on vinyl. Hey, but hey, whatever. Mikey. Yeah, Mikey, your guess what? What? Your dirty books. Yeah. I found them. I found them. I don't have any dirty books anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, right. dirty floppy disks. <laughs> you mean you went back to mom and dad's house in the attic? And found, yeah. Like two Playboys from <laughs> oh, nice. 1998. What? What'd you do with those? I want and guess them. what? Those are yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not. 
<laughs> you found my dirty book. <laughs> yep, so check out the movie. Check out the movie. Check out the movie. Check out the soundtrack. Check out Janet Jackson's video. Let's wait <laughs> and, a while. And if uh, the, the 100th person to comment and say dirty books, we'll send you those 1998 Playboys. <laughs> <laughs> Check out Vanity Six. Ooh, I mean, please. I we should go out on Vanity Six, even though it's not on the soundtrack. Support Prince. Support Prince. He's got. He, I mean, he's. I think all this stuff just charts constantly him all those guys p vanity r.i.p vans okay um, so should we close out with yeah our, with our, fi- our with our favorite say what we always say so anyway we're gonna uh finish her up here and like we always say direct, direct your, your pizza, pizza to, to daddy, daddy green's pizza, pizza.